darling, we're the young ones, and the young ones shouldn't be afraid to live love while the flame is strong. 'Cause we may not be the young ones very long. Tomorrow, why wait until tomorrow? 'Cause tomorrow. Hey, everybody! This is Chris. Welcome to the fourth installment of the Young Animal Gathering. Now, uh, stop me if you heard this one before. We've got no Doom Patrol this week. That's uh, you know, that's just kind of the way it went. What we do have is every other book, sometimes twice. We're going to start off with a double shot featuring Mother Panic number three and Cave Carson as a cybernetic eye number five. Now, that one originally aired on February 19th, 2017. We'll go on to Shade the Changing Girl number six. That's the halfway point of the series. That one originally aired on March 5th, 2017. Get a second episode of uh, Mother Panic, Mother Panic number four. That originally aired on March 12th, 2017. And then we'll wrap it all up with the the end of the first half of Cave Carson as a Cybernetic Eye. That's Cave Carson number six. That originally aired on March 19th, 2017. We're in for another long one here. It's a little over an hour 45 here. So uh, buckle in and uh, get ready for some young animal. Once in every lifetime comes a love like this. Oh, I need you. Welcome back to Young Animal. I'm Reggie. I'm Chris. And uh, we actually have a couple of books to talk about this week at the in, in the same segment. That's a rarity, mm-hmm. but it does happen. <laughs> it has happened before and probably will happen again as long as books kind of are on their own uh, hinky schedule, you know. But first, we sure. actually have some real Young Animal news, some, some, uh, an addition to the roster. I'm going to read straight from part of the press release. It says here, DC's Young Animal is adding more strange and wonderful to the mix with Bug, The Adventures of Forager. The new miniseries is an original story that pays tribute to the world of Jack Kirby by featuring his characters, like his version of Sandman and Sidekick Sandy, Blue Beetle, Atlas, and more. What makes this comic book even more unique is that it's a family affair, with Lee, Michael, and Laura Allred... Writing, drawing, and coloring the book. The six-issue miniseries is set to debut May 10th. And you just reviewed Atlas. I did. Uh, I had did, no idea either. You didn't even. You didn't. I was wondering if you were doing that as some kind of a tie-in, but you just reviewed no. uh, the, the first, first issue, issue of first yeah. issue special, which was Atlas by Jack Kirby. Um, and we know, and we know about uh, you know the '70s version of Sandman and Sandy mm-hmm. and his brute. So I'm psyched for that. Neither of Absolutely. us. Well, I, I don't know really anything about Bug the Forager. Uh, no, I don't remember him from Jack Kirby's Fourth World, which I haven't read extensively, and I, I, I admit that. And people were talking about him being in uh, Starlin's Cosmic Odyssey, and I looked in the trade, and he's he's there. I just forgot about him. Yeah, it's so just since uh, I think either of us read that. Yeah, it's uh, to be honest that that's really more of a uh, 
you know, hole filling trade for me. You know, it's a it's a cool story, but I I wouldn't put it up there with my favorite DC Comics events uh, personally. No. But that's okay. Um, anyway, uh, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the uh, release goes on. Forager is just one of the hive until the day he breaks out of his cocoon and finds himself in a mysterious house in an unknown realm. But he's not alone. As he comes across strange creatures, a ghostly girl, a talking teddy bear, Bug will have to figure out how he got here and how to return. He'll soon cross paths with the evil General Electric, who is after a precious metal that might change the very fabric of life. Forager must set out on a trip across the multiverse to stop this evil uprising, and may even establish himself as a new god in the process. It's almost tailor-made for the old reds. I mean, that's this. We talked about this a little bit before, and you know, you put Mike Allred's name on a book, you pretty much don't have to twist our arms too hard to no. get us to take a look at it. You know, it's no. it's you it's, got it's, our three ninety nine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, that, yeah, that's a guarantee. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was going to give it a look other uh, anyway, and this gives him a chance to draw his you know crazy aliens and probably mm-hmm. really goopy looking people and stuff like that. Um, not to mention, I kind of like, the, there was a teaser image of how he's drawing Bug the Forager. I like the way that looked. Yeah. But this is also a six issues. Uh, it's a six issue mini. He's good. And so I think that bodes well. Um, Certainly. I'd like to see more of that in the comics. I was going to say, it frankly. does set a, it set, sets a pretty good precedent for this imprint mm-hmm. that maybe we will get, uh, these odd, uh, miniseries, you know, peppered throughout the, throughout the uh, months here. And that, that's, uh, that's pretty neat. It'll, uh change things up a bit and maybe flush things out otherwise i i think it's really neat yeah i mean i don't know how much connectivity we're going to have within books and young animal although you know they did they did it in vertigo in a way they started to have a little fun with it especially towards yeah. the late the tail end of the 90s but uh I, I welcome it but you know any any opportunity to get another quick one out you know and what i like about the miniseries is that even if it stinks it's, gonna, it's short. <laughs> it will end. You know, you're not looking down a long tunnel where you're like, "Oh no, I got to march down this." Um. So anyway, we uh, we are. Are you segueing? Yeah, I might be. I might be segueing. <laughs> you know, but but I just you know I just want to say we are looking forward to that. We are going to cover that. And I'm not sure we haven't talked about who's going to read it or what, but we are going to cover that book on Young Animal when it comes out. And uh, absolutely. But speaking of that dark tunnel, we are <laughs> going to get into the first book of our Young Animal segment here. Yeah, we're going to start low, go high. We're going to start with uh, Mother Panic number three. And uh, that that might have been pithy, and it might have been... <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all right. Hey, this is your lot to editorialize. It's your your baby here. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but uh, this was the best issue of Mother Panic so far. So I agree. We are going in. We are moving up. So, uh, But this one, you know, just uh, same, same creative team, Jody Hauser and Tommy Lee Edwards. Uh, we open up... Not with Mother Panic, but with two members of the Bat family. Uh, Batwoman is uh, radioing or video phoning into Batman, <laughs> who's in the Batcave. Uh, she's informing him that there's a white-clad vigilante that she spotted in the sky. Batman being Batman already, he knows all about this. He's got, he's got photos and videos sure. of Mother Panic on yeah. every monitor in the room. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got, he's he's like, got her, her glider over here. There's not a thing he doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he uh, he tells her, you know, hey, keep an eye on her. We don't know we don't know much about her yet. Just keep your eye on her. 
brings us right into a flashback. Uh, we go back 15 years earlier. Uh, we're at Mr. Page's funeral. If you remember last month, I, I, I wrote in my preamble for the review that it feels like this should be like issue five. I really, yeah. I do feel that way too. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's like, yeah, back in issue two last month. What? Well, it's, it's uh, tough because the other books and the, and the imprint too are all are way ahead. Yeah. You know, they're all coming up on five now. And but anyway, yeah, I, these are some dense comics. These mother panic yeah. comics. And so we have a uh, you know, Mister Page was shot by his daughter, and uh, this is his funeral 15 years ago. Uh, we also meet Violet's older brother Victor here. He's a brilliant lawyer. Uh, he, being the only adult family member of Sound Mind, is taking care of, you know, the details, the wake, the, the burial, the funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, they refer to, um, did we ever get Paige's, uh, Mrs. Page's name? Not I just remember. Her Mama Page. Yeah, I think that, that works. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember her having a name. She might have, I, but like you said, these are dance. Yeah. Uh, the cuckoo Mama one, Page. though. The, 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 yes. crazy, the crazy lady sitting in the house with the uh, dolls sitting and Sitting on whatever. mushrooms talking to the deers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, she's referred to as being sick by Victor. Uh, she still thinks that her husband will be coming home to take care of things. Uh, Victor states that uh, Violet will be going to a boarding school. Uh, we pop back to the present where Violet is lamenting the fact that she wasn't able to kill Hemsley. But it kind of looked like she did, right? Um, I thought she did, but you know, this isn't the first time in, I think, not just this book that we th- we think someone died and they and they haven't. <laughs> they, you know, just visually, they looked like they because I thought I thought she uh, choked him out or something like that, right? Yeah, like she stomped on top of the car, pulled him out, and then yeah. didn't she like zap him with the? That's I right. Too, I guess the zapping. I guess we should have just taken it like comic book zapping. Sure. It just kind of. But also, we're going to see him again pretty soon. Uh, he's definitely not, whether we thought he was dead or not, he's, he's not dead, he's you know. But, uh, yeah, because, uh, I, I guess she just <laughs> messed him up. But uh, she's brooding on top of a building, and she is soon joined by Batwoman. Yeah, it's a pretty nice scene, too. She's on top of this sign. Uh, there's these letters. She's kind of a reverse uh, look at these letters, these stand-up letters on the uh, top of the building. It's cool. Yep. Nicely, nicely done. Anyway, guess what? Uh, when two heroes or any superpower or any kind of people in costumes meet, they fight. Yeah. And uh, Mother Panic knocks Batwoman off the rooftop with a punch from her blasty gauntlets. They're little powered, uh, whatever the hell they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batwoman scales back up the building. Violet is gone because she's back on the trail of the missing children, which I'd actually forgotten about uh until it kind of happened again i was like all right i forgot about that little thing uh she kicks in a door the address on helmsley's matchbook and hears some cliche creepy singing she follows the sound into a room where the blood artist from issue number one is sitting in an odd chair she has people we forgot about the the whole this whole thing i was like (laughs) all right but but it really did come back to me as i read it it wasn't like i was like what the hell but i was like (laughs) I, i mean Part of it is we, you know, we end up reading a lot of comics in a lot of books. your average week, but also like as a monthly, it's hard to, you know, I'm going to give this one the benefit of the doubt that, you know, if this was our only, you know, if we were only yeah. buying Mother Panic, which would be interesting in, in and of itself, <laughs> we would probably remember the story a lot better. But uh, anyway, it, it it all came back to me. Trade. It looked good in the trade. Yeah. Um, 
So she follows this uh, creepy singing into a room where the blood artist from issue one is sitting, and uh, she has half a dozen least children at her side. Artist welcomes Mother Panic to heaven, uh, which is not how I pictured it. Mother Panic frees the children while attempting to interrogate the artist. We get a name, Gala, but it's uh, kind of a nebulous at best. Gala triggers an explosive, setting the room ablaze, and Mother Panic flashes back and sees several bloody and flaming uniform-wearing children. Definitely not her classmates in the boarding school, right? Uh, We don't know for sure, right? Is that what it is? I'm guessing it's probably really, really, really heavy-handed foreshadowing. Yeah. um, (laughs) But who knows? I mean, it's it's a bunch of kids in, like, what looks like school clothing, but... uh, yeah, it's it's not clear. She sees things all the time, though. You know, she's prone to yeah. she's prone to her haints and visions and whatever. Um, she snaps back and frees the rest of the kidnapped kids. She says, "Not again," which makes me think that this is a uh, yeah a past thing. Flashes back to a young girl standing outside a flaming building, which is definitely not the boarding school she burned down as a kid, right? Mm. Mm, we don't know, but we have a feeling. <laughs> or you know, she was. We, we, I bet we'll find out more about that. As Mother Panic watches the apartment building burn, she is again greeted by Batwoman, who gives her an added girl for a job well done. That's how it is in the, in the superhero sure. community, folks. You know, good job kicking my booty. In uh, the and the expletives, which have been kept to a minimum ish so far, they begin to fly. Classy. Oh yeah, there's yes. uh, there's some uh, f bombs thrown out here. Like five in a single page. Yeah. It's like mm, maybe enough. Yeah. Uh, I guess <laughs> got, maybe there's a quota we don't know about. <laughs> now Mother Panic runs off. To, I, I I don't know if this is a flashback or if she's actually just going back to Hemsley's garage because she throws the matchbook at him, but he's laying there on the hood of the car and he looks dead. He looks dead. I... <laughs> like he's not moving. It's like he hasn't moved all day. I don't get it. It's like we heard that she couldn't kill unless unless she just like looked at the matchbook and threw the matchbook back at him before. But it looked like she was it looks like throwing she's it going now. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, I, we'll do I would it. say because because yeah because I would say she that is happening in the present. Yeah, so I guess Helmsley's dead, but then maybe he had a heart attack and we just missed it. <laughs> that was off panel. <laughs> <laughs> off panel, he died of natural him, causes. You attack. know, he yeah. They'll, they'll be we we missed the obituary scene. You know, it's right here. Or anyway, the autopsy will be in issue eight. Um, now we now we do flashback yes. to a scene, an uncomfortable scene where Violet is being dropped off at the boarding school by her brother Victor. We learn that Mama Page is going somewhere she could be cared for. And also that Victor knows that Violet is responsible for their father's death. Hmm. Uh, he leaves her, and she's begging to come with him, but uh, no dice. Uh, pop back into the present, where Violet is being treated by uh, Dr. Varma, who well, I don't think we ever got a name for her yet until we had those uh, who's who backups. That's right. That's where we learned her name, and it was like, <laughs> as a matter of fact, that's where I learned she was a character that maybe we should remember who you know, <laughs> she might come back. Yes. So those those backups worked, young animal. If you're listening, they helped us uh, piece a little bit this together. <laughs> Now, she suggests that Violet consider, quote-unquote, bringing Dom on. Now, Dom is that male captive uh, from way back in issue one. Uh-huh. Two months ago. And uh, who's been, he's the one who's been keeping Mama Page company, having the little tea parties on, in that weird and wacky room. Yeah. Um, makes me think that, remember last month we saw someone watching on surveillance? I'm guessing that had to have been Dr. Varma, right? 
That was, yeah, I mean, that was the mystery of it. Because it looked like Violet, kind of. It did. It kind of messed us up. I think we were like, how is she there? And it was like she was, she just couldn't be in, you know, two places places at the same time. Uh, Yes, I think at that point she was drawing frowny faces on that dude's mirror or something. I mean, essentially based on her being another female character with that kind of haircut. Same haircut. (laughs) That's basically what I'm going on. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we wrap up uh, with Dom and Mama, and uh, Dom tells Mama that he's going to leave. He's going to go back to reality. Mama makes mention of uh, hoping that he'll come back because there's going to be a party where they can watch things burn. Well, that's the best kind of party. And we, uh, (laughs) what's that? That, that, that is the best kind of party. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then we got uh, the usual backup. But these, this is the series where the backups have some kind of connection that we're not totally clear it's serialized. on. Serialized. Yeah, it's serialized, and they seem to take place in the same world in this Gotham City. It's Gotham Radio, Scene Three, Scheme Addict, uh, Strawman, Bandana Head. This is this is the radio station, uh, <laughs> and and uh, Chris gave him this name, Strawman Bandana Head. It's a guy that looks. Just he's like wearing like an army field jacket and a, an American flag bandana, and he's you know going to get on the radio and uh, talk the uh, typical stereotypical conservative, Militia conservative, talk, yeah, yeah, that kind of that kind of talk. You know what I mean? Um, he's introduced to his new coworkers at V at WBMN Gotham Radio. He suggests he's going to shoot a couple of holes in Batman, whether that's literal or figurative is your best guess. He's there to basically take down. Batman and expose mm-hmm. him as a you know vil- vigilante, a, a villain himself, which is you know we've seen that kind of thing before. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing new here. Nothing really, nothing new, nothing really that was uh, a little cornball. Didn't not a story that's begging to be told, but it's being yeah, anyway. it's. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, the, the thing is, maybe maybe this does something nice and ties in with the Mother Panic story elegantly down the line. Uh, maybe I'm. Um, too hopeful for things in life. I don't know, but you know, I mean, that's the only thing I think of. Otherwise, it's like, well, this is just sort of like a, a another story that seems, yep. you know, just kill a few pages. I mean, you might you might as well tell the story of the guy at the newsstand too while you're at it. You know what I mean? It's like here here he is. He sells newspapers all day. That's going to be the backup in the bug. Yeah, I've actually always wanted to hear about the guy that sells Leslie Tompkins her newspaper every day. It's uh, fascinating. <laughs> that's going to be in a black and white black Batman black and white down the line. Yes. But uh, all that being said, all of our snarky comments, as Chris said earlier, this was our favorite issue of the run. For, Absolutely. For both of Absolutely. us. What, what score did you give it, Chris? Uh, I've been given like a, I think my first score I gave was a six, and then yeah. I gave like a six five, and this one just goes up another point five, where I, I gave this one a seven. Seems like a, a solid C effort. <laughs> Yeah, for me, if you remember in the first issue, I had a real problem with the art. I thought it was too loose for a new uh, property. You know what I mean? I really, yeah. I really feel like when you're presenting something new, you got to present it in the tightest way, and then you can start getting, uh, you know, creative, creative. Yeah. or experimental or exper. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, think about Kelly Jones on Batman or something like that, where yeah. it's like we, you know, even though it looks nothing like a human, you know, it's Batman. <laughs> but uh, you know, but anyway, that that was my feeling early on, and I still think, to be honest, I still think it's a little on the sketchy side. But I do. There were some really nice panels in here, and and essentially, I warmed up to it, which I also suspected that I would do. That's that's common for me to kind of like bristle at the first issue, but then by the second or third, I'm like, that's eh, pretty good. Yeah. So uh, having overcome that more and uh basically being able to piece together more of the story understanding that there are like several stories happening at the same time 
of several timelines and several that that's the most confusing part and i think that that thing <laughs> with hemsley had to be an editorial gaffe in the beginning uh, I think so. but it's it's stuff like that that makes it difficult to read comics you got to you know what i mean folks you know neatness and uh consistency count Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I think I'm gonna give this a six point five. Uh, not just be just to be contrary, but I really am kind of hovering in that. Yeah, not quite seven, not quite six range. So that's yeah, because I'm a soft seven. So yeah, I'm, I'm, we're not we're not far off on this. One. Yeah, it's uh, but um, as I said last time, I I can see the this isn't a comic. There are other comics that I review for the uh, main podcast that I don't understand what the hell you know. Who greenlit this this thing? I I can see the appeal of a comic like this to a certain person. You know, I would think I would also consider them to be younger and more into five f bombs on a page. Yeah. Um, I'm not really that person, but that doesn't mean I don't think it's a valueless comic. I think it's uh you know it's got a, it's got some good chops. Just got to get editorial editorially correct. Yeah. But. Uh, we go from there to a comic that we do enjoy and, mm-hmm. and have come to look forward to reading now every month. I, uh, you know, went gone from trepidation to, you know, giddy clapping. Well, not quite that. <laughs> it's Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye number five written by John Rivera and Gerard Way. Art by Mike, Michael Avon Oming and Tom Scioli. And this uh, book opens up, and it's, I'm just going to say up front that Cave and Chloe Carson and Jack Wild Dog Wheeler are tripping off that night pudding right now. Mm-hmm. They've eaten some uh, Muldrugan night pudding, and uh, while they're having visions, or I guess, you know, feeling the effects of it, King Patrol uses the opportunity to tell them to tell the tale of the Muldrugans. So it seems that an entity trapped in a crystal named the Whisperer came to the planet somehow and guided the Muldrugans since time immemorial. And uh, the Whisperer itself obviously predates the Muldrugans because he showed up and I guess saw them develop, maybe helped them evolve. Um, It's this thing that enticed them all to go underground in the first place, and it's guided them and and heated their underworld through the Godstones and basically allowed this society to flourish as it has. All it asked for in return was to be freed from its crystal prison. Now, this part was a little weird because you would think that the Grateful Muldrugans would have made that, you know, priority one, but apparently it was difficult to do, and it wasn't until a guy named Kiep Aiken was the first to crack the crystal, and he was immediately enslaved. Turns out the Whisperer was actually a demon, or a Mulud in the Muldrugan tongue. Kiep was able to enslave many others, but there was a resistance. His daughter, Sildana, defeated Kiep in a battle, saving everyone, and the Whisperer and his slaves were buried deep in Muldrug, within the temple to Palud. And Chris, (laughs) of course, knows that Palud is the one true god. I mean, of course, that's that's clear and obvious. And if you don't, you can just <laughs> you could turn off the podcast right now if you don't believe that. Heathens. <laughs> and I, I like I like the fact that you know they're standing in uh, Shah Muldrug talking about how they've buried this thing deep. You know, when you've buried something deep in a subterranean society, that thing stays buried. I mean, that's that's you know what I mean. You yeah. are really you're just plunging that thing like it's got to be next to the core of the the nickel core of the earth or something. Uh, so this is actually how Muldrug got its name, since Muldrug means keepers of the demon in the English tongue, which, okay, if you, I looked it up, I didn't see any kind of evidence for that being true, but... 
If you say so, buddy, I, I, I'm good with it. Yeah, I think a little bit of uh, anglicization was put into that. Possibly, uh, yeah. I think, I think over time it was uh, warped. <laughs> yes. but. Um, now, uh, here the comic is kicked into a... It's like Rob Liefeld's on the book. You're yeah. going to landscape view for a couple of pages. Um, probably just to show that, you know, that... that you know, their perceptions are a little bit off because uh, Cave and uh, his pals are uh, his daughter and Wild Dog. They're kind of tripping out. Yeah. Uh, the layout also looks, uh, you know, zoomed in a bit. It's a, it's a, it's a neat effect. I, I like um, I liked it because it was more subtle than just making. Yeah. You know, they could have made this like a psychedelic. You know, it could have been a page of shade the changing girl. Ex- it, precisely. Second. Oh no, that, you're, that's exactly. I don't know why I didn't just say it, but that, that's what I was thinking of. But this was a lot more subtle and. I dug it, and it, and it doesn't yeah. go on and on. It's like three pages, so it's not like yeah. it's, it's like driving you that nuts. No, no. Uh, we do uh, shift scenes to uh, the other Mighty Mole that has Ace, Johnny Blake, and the rest of the team from EBX. <laughs> it's still stuck and beset by fungus monsters. Uh, Paul Borstein and his fungal father, Edward, arrive in another vehicle driven by a cat nun. You know, those... Uh, those uh, uh, what what those cultists with the uh, pointy ears? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> we're just not clear what they're about. I I, no. I, I just call them cat nuns. I mean, just consider them to be the hordes of the uh, the uh, Paul and Edward, the Borsteins. Uh, but yes, whatever. <laughs> now, Edward, uh, being fungal, gets along pretty good with those monsters. Uh, Edward approaches a captured Muldrugan who has been feeding them information. He turns the guy into a fungus monster because, you know, that's what he does. Sure. Now it's time to find Cave Carson and his crew. Yeah, which they they were able to track the other Mighty Mole pretty easily. They have whatever. Sure. They have the technology. They have the technology. So uh, they're But back in Shaw Muldrew, Chloe's watching the three hunks that she spied in the last issue, the mm. guy wearing the half Batman shirt and his other buddies, and they're skinny dipping in some really orange-looking water, and she decides to join them. Yeah, what the hell? Why not? Uh, while Cave and his parents-in-law are watching from a balcony, and this is it's cute because Cave... Cave, like, yeah, hides his he face. His <laughs> doesn't want to see his daughter uh, nude, which I understand. Um, now, King Patrol now explains that greed was really the undoing of the city of Muldrug that we saw in ruins uh, really two issues ago, and then even in the last issue a little bit was they were driving to Shah Muldrug. After his daughter and Mazra left to marry Cave, the king decided he should let, let some overworld stuff in so people weren't so enticed by it and wanting to leave. Which is kind of a funny way to do it, but all right. Uh, he made a deal with EBX, which then was E. Borstein and Sons, to allow them mineral rights in exchange for MP3 players and Tamagotchi keychains. Now, while the Muldrugans let their guard down, EBX showed up during the Harvest Festival and dropped the fungus monster-making bomb on them. It worked so quickly that it consumed the EBX agents as well, which we saw as they drove up to the city that it had taken over. It had just, you know, killed Muldrugan and human alike. Uh, as they went up the path. The folks at EBX want Chloe because the Tomb of the Whisperer is surrounded by Inertron, and the only way into the temple is through a lock that can only be opened by someone of the Pathral bloodline, and I guess EBX thinks the other Muldrugans are dead, and therefore she's the last possible one, right? Maybe. I'm not clear on that. Also, we, we, learned, we knew this in the first issue, but we're getting the information as if it's new here. Mm-hmm. Which was weird, but it didn't really bother me that much. I guess this did kind of clarify more of what she would be unlocking. We just knew that yeah. they they needed her to unlock something, but this something. is yeah, this is what it is. So 
Uh, and during the conversation, King Thrall says he works with Edward, not Paul Borstein. Cave thinks mm-hmm. it's impossible, but the king is adamant about it. So, mm. Absolutely. Yeah, he thinks that, uh, what did he say, uh, that Edward is probably hanging out in a haunted mansion on mm-hmm. a pile of money or something. Yeah, he's got to be like 90, whatever he is old, he says, yeah. <laughs> now we uh, we shift over to our, our buddy Wild Dog, who is just freaking out. He's mm-hmm. flashing back to some, some very... Uh, profound and messed up times in his life. It's uh, pretty much his origin story. You have him, uh, he was a star football player. You know, that's where he gets his jersey from. Mm-hmm. And he was a, I don't remember what, it was State U, Wild, Red Dogs or something like that. And he was injured. Uh, he also went to war and his whole platoon was killed. Uh, he met a woman, fell in love, but she was a mob boss's daughter and she was killed. So he uh, he, he was left a lot of money though from that. Which is how he became what he became. That's how he afforded the hockey mask. That's how he got the. Uh, well, that's how he bought his garage. That's not cheap, buddy. Those <laughs> hockey. Let me tell you, those things be over a hundred bucks. You know, there's no joke. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't a Halloween costume. This is uh, this is league approved here. Um, now he says that he can't let that whisper thing into his head again because remember he was uh, he wanted to die. <laughs> yeah. So that's what that that's what that was, I guess. Uh, had to be right which is strange because they just kind of stumbled upon that um anyway whatever i'm over i'm probably (laughs) overthinking it because i was like i was like so they stumbled upon that then they were they backtracked their way out of there i guess that's not impossible but it just seems weird to me but fine (laughs) whatever i i'm i really am i'm overthinking it now uh you know chloe she's she's skinny dipping with the with the boys and uh she mentions that she has a bat tattoo somewhere in her body and uh, they're really keen on seeing it, but she's completely naked, so why can't they just see it? Let's take a look, yeah. I know, it's like, it's right here. Um, now they press her about Batman. She says that she was a, she went through a goth phase as, as, as a teenager, and they, uh, they get, they get kind of giddy about that, thinking that she means Gotham. Yeah. Um, suddenly, there's a, a big explosion at the uh, palace or whatever, wherever Cave was hanging out. Um, the guys from EBX have arrived. Uh, cat nuns filter out and they grab King Pathral. Uh They don't need Chloe now because they've got a full-blooded uh, sure. Muldrugan. Uh, Johnny, ba- Johnny Blake rebels against what's happening here and Ace stabs him in the gut. Uh, Johnny and two members of EBX leave, uh, firing behind them as they run. Meanwhile, and this is awesome, Yeah, <laughs> we, see, we see a headless body and then it goes right to Wild Dog holding a machete and a cat nun head. Yeah, and he's like, where's your dad? He's talking to yes. Chloe. He's <laughs> like, shows up. Like, there was no big deal for him just to remove this uh, cat nun's head from his or her he body. He not mess around. Um, that, that scene with Johnny Blake, too, was a little strange because I wasn't 100% clear on who was rebelling. I what couldn't was, tell who was who, yeah. Uh, it, it took me a couple of, couple of read-throughs to see what was happening, and then I think, I think I'm pretty clear that, yeah, Johnny Blake got, is the one that got stabbed, and th- those two guys might have had names in the last issue. I didn't look it up, but they're basically, you know, uh, Cave's old training. His old team. His yeah. old team. You know, he knows, he knows them from what, working at EBX, and that's what's going to become important in a minute but uh so cave grabs his mother-in-law and reconvenes with everyone chloe and the boys have stopped skinny dipping by now they're they're over there too i guess they went with wild dog cave has some words with the old ebx crew uh you know they kind of say some not so great things to each other um they razz them, yeah <laughs> little razzing but it seems like it's all in good spirits there's no no huge problems and cave's gonna make a call now 
to Superman on his dedicated <laughs> Superman cellular phone. I found this so funny. Like, it just seemed to come out of nowhere, you know? Like, what the I was not expecting this. Um, I mean, you know what I mean? And it's like, it does it does belie a, a history here for Cave Carson where it's like, wow, he must have teamed up with Superman, you know, and mm. knew him well enough to maybe not enough to get the signal watch, but he, uh, <laughs> to get the, the phone. The next best thing. Yeah, everyone should probably get one. Um, but unfortunately, and this was even funnier, Superman changed his number. <laughs> it got out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Someone doxed him. You, yeah, but well, you got to figure, actually, a guy like Superman probably has to, he goes through numbers pretty regularly. You know, people, sure. people get a hold of that. They're going to be calling him all day. Uh, so he smashes the phone to the ground, which I have a feeling will have, um, that's going to come back and have ramifications later. Yeah. And just then, Edward Borstein, King Pathrall, and a bunch of fungus monsters are swarming towards them. So there's going to be a conflict here. And then we go on to the backup. This month, Tom Scioli did provide a a superpowers backup. And as usual, Chris is going to explain every little bit about it. It's starting to make sense, right? Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) Well, I feel feel like this backup is is like four comics. Right, like, like, so someone just cut the panels up of four comics and just like let them lie, fly on a, on pages. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they put it, they put it like in a subterfuge and just let them fall down, and it's like, okay, this is the story we're gonna tell. Yeah, uh, story <laughs> is a, is a, uh, use that word loosely though. I'd say, yeah, yes, sure. this is this is the uh, this is the progression we're gonna show something. Yeah, because we got a uh, we got Wonder Woman and Batgirl. They show up. Batgirl is riding a bicycle. Because why not? Okay. We have Harley Quinn is in a wonderful Wonder Woman outfit. Then the movie, like the 1989 Tim Burton Batman and Joker show up. Mm-hmm. We think. And then Catwoman is there too? Or unless it's Batgirl with glasses? I, I, it's, it could be Batgirl with glasses. Because it does look like a Batgirl cowl. It's got the cat eyes a bit. But I, 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 I wasn't sure which one that was. And then, uh... And it looks like the hammer's talking to her. I, I know. Yeah, because it, it's a I give know. us a kiss. It's, I, I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm like. I'm like looking at it like nine times. There's also the penguin is there, and these are all like the superpowers versions. Of the old toy it's line. The toys. Yeah. Um, which was cool. It was cool for me to see. And in fact, in the next page, you see Superman's spaceship from that uh, line, um, which is something I always wanted. The penguin is fighting the Green Lantern Corps, and Solomon Grundy shows up. It's, it's like what? <laughs> Where's Solomon Grundy? Buried oh yeah, Sunday. there he is. Yeah, yeah, he just jumps in. Yeah, <laughs> and now he wasn't a super. I don't know. You know, like it, it, he that, was in the Super Friends cartoon. He was Maybe in that, Super Friends, but he wasn't yeah. one of the toys. But neither was the '89 Batman. In, and, true. And true. This is like reminiscent. This is more the '89 Batman Joker. We're already talking about this thing way too much. I, I like I seeing. This is, is this just going to be a kid playing with his toys? Is that how it's going to end? Well, here's the problem with this backup. Okay, <laughs> let me explain one? it to you. Is that you know? Listen, I I love a nice trippy. And what's weird is you notice that this one did it, all the panels are finished. So this is yeah. that was not an artistic choice. It's actually he's not finishing the panels and leaving it like that. Um, on the other backups, yeah. You know, I I love a nice three pages of psychedelic weirdness, and you know, maybe a little throwback nostalgia like like i said this superman ship really put me back i was like i really wanted that thing even though it's yep. the stupidest thing for superman why does superman need a, a spaceship um and the the uh you know the the headband supergirl but 
it's just not well done enough to pull it off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's too amateurish, the art. Uh, it's it's not ready for comic books. It's it's better than absolute, you know, crap. This isn't like this isn't like a ten year old kid. Deviant art, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I, this isn't a knock on the art, but I feel like the art is not meeting the need for to tell a weird story. Does that make any sense to you? I think so. I think um, so. And I and it feel it feels like uh, you've read uh, Joe the Barbarian, right? Mm-hmm. That Grant Morrison thing where yeah. it's like he's playing with his toys. I get vibes from of like that from this, where it's just gonna it's gonna end with the Wonder Twins playing with like a box of action figures from all different eras of DC action figures. I could see Which, that. Uh, it's it's meta and it's cute, but it's. Eh. <laughs> I mean, I mean that would sort of tie it together, but again, I just don't feel like it's. Um, I mean, maybe th- that would make sense. Then the artistic choice is to kind of draw it sort of, you know, in the era, in the as a young kid the... might do it and to have like crazy moments happen that don't really make, you know, a whole lot of narrative <laughs> sense. But, uh, I-, I just still just looking at it now, looking at even the scene where you got, you got Brainiac's, uh, spaceship tentacles. Well, at the end you got, you yeah, know, inside, yeah. but the spaceship tentacles and it's like, they got, it's cute. They got a Biff pow, bam. His like, that's the thing about the Superman spaceship. It had these little fists on it and it's punching out and yep. it's, it's cute, but it's just not all the way there for me to be like, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe I can't explain myself about it. Cause it's, it's, there's something holding me back from getting excited about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and, and a lot of it is, I don't know what's going on. Uh, and yeah, I just feel like the the work is not all the way there. It needs to be a little bit better to do this kind of mind screw, as they might call it. Yes. But anyway, we don't care. That uh, <laughs> that was just a you know the backup here it was three pages. It's not really just hurting pages. anything. Yep. Seeing the seeing the Superman ship did give me a little uh, smile, so that was that was a positive thing. But this issue, I really liked. Uh, yes, it's really, really plugging in some gaps, really providing some heavy action and a lot of, uh, yeah, it has everything I want to see right now. I'm totally on board with the art style, which was something I was also a little bit like wondering about in the first issue. Yeah. I, I can, I can be that way. Uh, but I dig, I dig it. What do you think, Chris? I thought it was, uh, this might be the greatest issue of, uh, Cave Carson as well. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Really, just a, it was a, a really nice blend of action and and uh, and information. So it wasn't like last month. It was a little bit of a, a little bit of a lull because I think we just got too much information. Yeah, there was a lot of exposition while they basically yeah. drove to Shamal Droog for like half Pretty the much, issue. Right? You know, yeah. Where this one, we actually uh, we got the payoff, uh, or, or you know, as much of it as we can get without being the conclusion. Yeah. And uh, you know, it may be a little. The story's a little hokey about the you know the only the uh, someone from the Pathral bloodline can open the tomb of the Whisperer, but eh, good enough. Yeah. Don't need much time, in my life. Uh, anytime wild dog decapitates somebody, eh, that's a good time. Yeah, very casual about it. <laughs> um, but I gave this book on uh, on the side. I gave it an eight point five out of ten. What do you think? I'm right there with you. This All is, right. Uh, this is. Uh, it's it's great, but uh, I I don't want to cheapen a nine or a ten. Yeah, yet. it's uh, you know it, I mean eight. Because <laughs> I think it could get there, and I, 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 I wanted to actually show that kind of progression. Well, we'll see. I mean, it, this this book has been sort of climbing up. I think I went I dipped on the third one, but I didn't go. You know, I, I, I'm not looking at my scores now. I didn't go way down, but you know, it went yeah, down. Still like, a passing grade. 
yeah, it's been it's been consistently good, and it's getting you know really good as we're coming to the end of the arc, which I'm assuming is next issue. Uh, for this to have such a strong fifth issue, it really gets me really excited. But my hopes have been dashed before, ladies and gentlemen. I don't <laughs> want to uh, I don't want to put that past you. So we'll see what happens. I assume that comes out. That's been coming out on a regular schedule, so I assume we'll see it in the second or third week of next month. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't have any information about this being a six-issue miniseries, but as there we know, solicits for for seven. Huh? It's, there are solicits going past. Set, oh six. well, then there you go. Then there's your answer. But but uh, as you know, comic books don't aren't always upfront about whether something's a miniseries or not. You know, they, also uh, true. <laughs> they, you know, sometimes it's like, well, wait, this is a miniseries. You know, it kind of sneaks up on you. But anyway, well, no, it always that, was. That's good news. They got solicits going. So, uh, all right, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll keep on with it. Um, next week, we have no young animal. So we're going to be doing another year in comics. And we haven't picked that year, but we will before that happens. And we'll be talking about it. And then the week after that, we have, we hope, uh, Shade, the, <laughs> Shade the Changing Girl number six. That should be out March 1st. Uh, that hasn't slipped that I've noticed. Maybe within the month a little bit. But... Uh, yeah, that one, I think Mother Panic missed last week, right? Because we thought that was going to be last week, and it mm. looks like it slipped a week. I don't think Shade or Cave have. Shade is always yet. top of the month, now that I think about yeah. it. It's been that way yeah. since October. So, yeah, Shade has been okay. So, all signs point the two, you know, us seeing this. And this one, I too, I have, I have to assume will be the end of this opening arc. Yeah, you got to figure. I, maybe yeah, because this is the body I'm, came back, yeah. I'm just too trained by uh, trade collections, probably. But, you know, when you see the sun rise and set every day. We're a product of our, uh, of our uh, comic <laughs> upbringing. You, you, you know, you start to trust certain things over time. And, you, and let me tell you, you, in this case, you'd usually be right. Um, but anyway, I think that's all we got on the Young Animal Front for him this week. Chris, you got anything else for him? I think that'll do us. Well, until next week, everyone, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. segment on the weird science dc comics.com podcast i am reggie i am chris and we are bringing and we are bringing you a uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about shade the changing girl number six this week but there is a little bit of news coming out from the young animal imprint from emerald city comic-con which is going on right now i believe as we as we record it is happening yes uh and uh yeah chris put together some news and we're gonna let you know what's happening 
So if this was on my blog, I would call it a breaking news Chris Clusive. It's Dateline, 1991. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, uh, at Emerald City Comic Con, uh, young animal editor Jamie S. Rich implied strongly that a few of the various young animal books may be tying together in subtle ways, though it wouldn't result in an official crossover event. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, the, the, the main man, Gerard Way, adds, as the year goes on, there will be a more quote-unquote organic element to bind the titles together oh the old organic element right like or the organic <laughs> storytelling it's all very organic and whatever that yes yes homeopathic <laughs> yeah storytelling. uh gerard way would also uh, continue by saying that they are looking at two more possible miniseries along with uh the all reds bug title awesome. that's coming out nice which is pretty neat uh he says the two projects concern interesting takes on old superheroes that have modern day relevance so pretty much everything that they're doing now yeah. <laughs> no big shock uh he uh, ends with uh claiming that the pattern for young animal will be to publish several ongoing series and a few shorter series on the side sounds perfect Which to is me cool. yeah, yeah. I, I think i think i think we both are champions of the miniseries because you get a you get a complete story you know it's, yep. I, I would rather get a, a complete story even if it's not good than to get an ongoing not good story <laughs> and, and if he's uh if they're sincere with the uh you know binding the titles together i'm a huge fan of adding lore to anything so yeah mini series that add a little bit of lore to the uh, young animal world that that's cool with me we'll we'll see i mean i could see this being a cute you know the titles have cute nods to each other you sure. know what I mean? Whatever, you know, Shade is wearing a Doom Patrol t-shirt or whatever, you know, but we'll see. I It's it's up in the air, obviously. We we know nothing, although I am hoping for that gritty and dark Binky's Buddies remake. I hope so. That reboot. I think the time is right to get that going. So uh, we can, <laughs> can, if anyone can do it, it's uh, Gerard Way and Young Animal. But uh, today we have the final issue in the first arc of Shade the Changing Girl. Uh, Earth Girl Made Easy, Part 6, titled Homecoming, written by Cecil Castellucci, art by Marley Zarcone, Andy Parks, and Kelly Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and uh, we open up with the ethereal Megan pouncing on Megan, yeah. uh, you know, the physical version, the one that has Loma inside it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we call, we'll call her Shade, um, because that's what she wants to be called. Mm. Uh, of interest, Shade is surprised and exclaims, what the, blah, 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 blah. so it's just symbols, mm. instead of the F word, which I didn't know we were allowed to do anymore. I, it's weird, because this, this comic has no problem with the F word, but I know. <laughs> I guess Loma slipped into her metin, you know, uh, language here, whatever it is. Unless they knew that this was going to be a uh, preview page. I suppose that ah, could be. Ah, there you go. The brilliance of Chris strikes again. Very good. <laughs> I just thought of that now. Mm. Um, now, we learn that Megan has been chasing Shade for days at this point. Uh, there's a constant internal struggle. Uh, Megan naturally wants her body back. Shade tries to make it perfectly clear that should she return to her fleshy form, she will revert to being brain dead. Megan don't care. She just wants her life back. Yeah. And, you know, while this is a mostly internal thing happening between Megan and Shade, uh, it's making her act very weird in public. She's acting very peculiarly. Uh, she's arguing with this ethereal interloper, and the uh, her classmates are uh, they're in view and earshot, and they're just like, what the heck is wrong with her? They think she's on drugs or insane, and some people are reveling in it because they they feel like it's her comeuppance from when Megan was a mean girl, you know, before mm-hmm. she uh, died and came back to life. 
Struggle continues, which causes Shade to wonder what would happen to her, that is, Loma, should Megan reclaim her body. Where would her essence go? Megan lands a powerful blow in the astral plane, which sends Shade reeling. She falls to the ground in the real world. River sees this, helps her up. Wes also sees this and tries to take control of the situation himself. He comes in like the boyfriend, like, got it, bro. It's good. She's my girl, you know, and River's like, this might be a two-man job. I'm going to hang out here because you are don't really know about her alien uh, past, buddy. You know, he doesn't yes. go that far, but that's basically the implication. Now, uh, inside the school, Astral Megan haunts some of her former classmates. Uh, she learns that people who used to fear her now just pity her. Uh, she also sees that Teacup is becoming friendly with River, which she sees as a big no-no. She doesn't want her getting friends on her watch. Her fury against Teacup is... <laughs> I, I, I very mean, strange. I, I almost want to examine that. I have a feeling it's, you know, you you know, you know remember being a teenager back in the mm-hmm. long, long ago, probably, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> you, could, you or others could just zero in on somebody, but become the target of their bullying, but... It's like, take it easy, lady. She just has she has another nerd friend. It's not like she's like yeah. the most popular girl in school over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's still a little weird teacup. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if maybe there's unrequited feelings here. Who knows? Mm. But uh, well, I guess well, we maybe we won't find out. I, I, <laughs> kind of, if that's the case, I kind of hope we don't. But anyway. <laughs> sure. Now, an even more annoyed Astral Megan returns to taunt Shade, which causes her to freak out. Uh, she kind of like goes into the fetal position into the corner. Uh, and the uh, school nurse, who she's under watch of right now, uh, calls her mom to pick uh, to pick her up, bring her home. Mom arrives and thinks she's faking, which means she clearly forgets that her daughter was what, dead a couple days ago? Yeah, you think this might be coming out of that, you know, but whatever. Maybe, and then uh, they get home. Shade heads up to her bedroom to have some uh, Megan 101. Yeah, she goes to do a little research on what the, what makes this girl tick and what she can use against her. Um, meanwhile, we shift over to Meta, where LaPuck is still hooked up to that machine. Uh, Rack Shade's lover is trying to break the MVS out of its glass tomb, but he, she is unsuccessful. Back on Earth, Shade is chatting with Honey. Uh, that's the woman from the 1950s sitcom. Remember, that was the backup in the last issue, mm. Life with Honey. Uh, whatever it was, leave it to Honey something. Make room for Honey. Honey knows best. It's one of those. Honey, my three honeys. Was that what it was? Yes. Yeah. Honey, <laughs> Honey the menace. Uh, she helps Shade realize that she's got powers, which I thought she knew, but... I, guess I thought so, right? She needed she needed a reminder, that's all. Sure. <laughs> now, we pop back to Meta briefly, uh, where LaPuck gets fried for not knowing how to tell uh, what's-his-face or her-face how to get <laughs> – how Loma got the coat. Yeah. Um, we learn that if he were to survive this frying, he'll become one of Rack's lover's recruits. And when they have enough recruits, they'll be heading to Earth. So I guess we can look forward to that. Mm-hmm. We return to Astral Megan as she takes a tour around town, visits her former classmates, and she has a snide comment for each of them. Like, one of them's into cosplay, and she's um, stitching up a, a Supergirl costume, and uh, she calls her a nerd. Oh, nerd. She even calls, she yeah. even calls her boyfriend, Wes, a lunkhead. A lunkhead. It's like, dude, yeah, because he's, he's lifting baby weights. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, now, she goes to visit Teacup, and Teacup can actually sort of kind of see her. Uh, so uh, that answers one of our questions. Uh, she calls River to tell him, and uh, so now we know that some people can see the madness or whatever it is that Megan has become. I don't know if it's part of the madness, but uh, yeah. she can or see maybe, it. Whatever. Or maybe their connection to Shade has opened them, to, you know, I, hopefully yeah. we'll, I guess we'll find out more going forward. 
And then uh, we have Megan, the ethereal version. She arrives at her old home for what would be the final confrontation. Uh, Yes, Teacup and River arrive just behind her, just as the madness Paisley start to flood. <laughs> That's when you know things are about to get nice and weird. Mm-hmm. Nice and uh, weird. Her parents, the Boyers, uh, are alerted by the noise coming from their daughter's bedroom, and so Dad heads up to see what's going on. River and Teacup run in along with Mrs. Boyer. They head up to Shade's bedroom, too, where they find it full of... Whatever the, these things are, eyeballs, mm. or you, you're saying here they're olives? They also could be paramecium? It's unclear. Could be. Madness goop. Madness balls. Madness mm. essence, whatever. <laughs> uh, with Mr. Boyer pinned to the ceiling, Megan and Shade are locked in combat. The river and teacup distract Megan, the, uh, you know, astral Megan, yeah. to dissipate the madness. And uh, the, the battle resumes on the front lawn, where once again Shade tells Megan that if she were to reclaim her body... She would also reclaim her coma. Megan still doesn't care. She's all right with that. She just wants her body back. Uh, Shade decides that it's time to use the nuclear option. And so she blasts, she uses like the reverse cab ass stare here. She blasts Megan with all the hate that people have for her. Uh huh. Which causes her to explode into a snowstorm of cotton candy fluff. And that is all we say about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At this point, the weirdest and scariest thing that ever happened in this book happens. Shade smiles. It's not a smirk or a half smile either. It's a, it's a no. full-blown happy it's, smile. Yep. And it's terrifying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she accepts River and Teacup as her friends and tells them that uh, they're all safe now. She feels that the connection to Megan's essence has been severed. Uh, while she's accepting things, she accepts her new lot in life as an alien expat and current earthling. Uh, her new friends express, express excitement in helping her figure out where everything lies. And so we celebrate with hot cocoa. We wrap up as uh, Shade's drinking and a p- tiny piece of cotton candy fluff lands on her tongue and makes its way into her belly. Where it splits, kind of? Mm, seems like there might be a little bit of uh, gestation going on there, whatever it's it is. baby on board. Yeah. Uh, Which might fit into our uh, predictions from Shade 100. That's true. Maybe, maybe that actually, you know, that actually comes to fruition. You know, maybe we're more. Maybe they stole our idea. Actually, hold on a second. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I don't think let's that get, the, let's get the lawyer on the line. Yeah. No, not. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, and, we we get no backup this month. Yeah, but uh, but they have those great, you know, who's who pages, and that actually talked about Cave Carson, the Whisperer. Yeah, right. and Team Carson, yeah. I, I, I was, let me tell you, I'm much happier with that than most of the backups we've been getting. If you want to keep putting yeah. in who's who pages, I have I thumbs up to that. Sketches, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, cool would, with that. Would really much rather see that, even for, even for you know, Mother Panic, a title we're not so enthusiastic about. We we appreciated those who's who. We were like, oh, this actually does give us a little bit more information about these characters that we thought weren't <laughs> yep. important, or we, we weren't sure what the hell what to make of them. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm all for that. But what what did you think of this issue there, Chris? I liked it. Um, you know, I, it, it's been no surprise. I, I think we've both liked this series from the from the start. Uh, it uh, I like that this is the ending of a. Uh, this is an ending of a of a story arc, which is almost like a lost art these days, uh, where we don't get endings anymore. Yeah. It's just something we just, okay, this is finished up, so next month it's this, but it's still, like, continuing. Mm. Here we have actually, like, a not a clean break, but we don't want a clean break, but there is a uh, feeling of that something is ending, something has happened. Yeah. Maturation of characters have happened. 
and uh, we do get subplots bubbling in the background. It's uh, it's like we're reading something from the 80s. I, it, it is old school comics, and it's, it is yeah, uh, it's creation. Great. Yeah, but I do love the fact that you could, at this point, walk away, and you will have you read a complete story. You know, you would have mm-hmm. read the change of Megan, both at, you know as the people perceiving her at school and as her character after it gets infused with Loma, you know, and, and yep. uh, even though it's not exactly a straightforward story, and there's obviously more to come with Rack Shade's boyfriend and other things to develop at school, not to mention the cotton candy thing, but if you wanted to be done, you would have read a, a truly complete and, you know, good, a, well, satisfying, a, yeah. satisfying. That's, that's a great word for it, hmm. uh, which I, I really appreciate, yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. Um, I wish... More comics. I feel like it's a courage thing, but maybe that's crummy of me to say. <laughs> you know? But just have the courage to let your story end, for goodness yeah. sake, instead of always just endlessly teasing, you know, and like, you know, always with these cataclysmic cliffhangers. Um, yeah, I dug it. Art has been great throughout, consistent. I have really no complaints about it. Uh, this might have been the least psychedelic issue overall. Probably. But, you know, still had a lot of weird stuff going on, a lot of floating Astral Megan. How about your score? I gave it an 8 out of 10, which uh, I, I don't want to cheapen a 9 or 10. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I still think that this still, I think there is room to improve, even though I'm very happy with what we've gotten. My my issue, the only issue I had with this issue was that I felt like the resolution between Shade and Megan happened awfully convenient yeah convenient is a perfect word and 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 actually going through it now i see that there was a little bit more of a build-up but it was also a little bit more of letting megan letting us know that how crummy a person megan was and how much we didn't want to see her come back uh which uh you know this is it's really nitpicking it didn't didn't ruin my day but I, i i would have liked to see more of a struggle between the two of them rather than more and more of this you know uh building up of Megan's character as a mean person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would go uh, definitely, like, we went back and forth talking about scores, a real strong 7.5 for this issue, mm-hmm. but I think I would give this series, this these six issues, an 8.5 easily, without compunction. Uh, sure, it's, absolutely. In total, it's a, it's a real satisfying read, and this last issue will leave you satisfied and happy with you know mm-hmm. the, the the results and you know you'll feel like you didn't just waste five issues which no <laughs> does happen sometimes folks let me tell you i can read more some, often than not read some mini series where i'm like wow this could have been one issue but anyway that's uh, <laughs> that's for another podcast entirely so i'd say that that this comes with our pretty high recommendation this series mm-hmm. uh, if you've been waiting on the fence for trade collecting, then uh, you're—I would say—hit that you know pre-order button and go in yeah. right, go in. It's going to be cool. It's a cool book. Um, have no real complaints about it. it. You know, we we this was the book we were second most looking forward to, and it has delivered mm-hmm. totally for us. So, and it's delivered on time. And it's <laughs> that's one of the best things about it. <laughs> Yeah, as opposed to another book that we liked a lot more. But anyway, we're not going to talk yes. about that because next week we have. Chris's favorite book, Mother Panic, number four. Didn't we just do that? I, well, they, you know, they did have a little shipping hiccup, so I think we're That's getting, right. That's we're right. getting, we're getting a, a makeup here. Yeah, right we're getting a makeup book, and and as you pointed out in the solicit, it's actually a new arc. It, yeah, it's a new story arc. It's a new artist. I, uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I have, I, you, neither of us have read it yet, so I don't know what the issue is like or anything. But I will say, I like that. I like, let's keep these arcs a little tighter, you know? Yes. 
Yeah, we don't need to drag this out for six issues. But, uh, yeah, make everything a six, seven issue arc so that we can justify a trade. You can put two story arcs in a trade, folks. It's, you can. It's allowed uh, you know, if you <laughs> must write for the trade. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. As for the week after that, I'm not sure what's happening. I think that might be a bye week for us, and I will Problem. be on the road. So you're going to get a strange episode. In any case, you're going to get a strange episode that week, folks. Either way. <laughs> uh, but we will have our regular Young Animal Mother Panic number four next week. Mm-hmm. As for the rest of it, I think that's all we got for him. Chris, you got anything else for him? I think that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. segment on the weirdsciencedccomics.com podcast. I am Reggie. I am Chris. And we are coming at you every week, either talking about a young animal book or we're talking about a randomly picked year in comics. But this week we are talking about a young animal book. I don't want to... Damn it. I don't want... <laughs> you had your year already. Huh? You got <laughs> The years are almost, you know, there's, there's a, a limited but a long list of years that we can use. And uh, yeah, unfortunately we have to ta- tackle the books as they come. So this week, what book do we have, Chris? We've got Mother Panic number four. And I, I could have sworn we just did Mother Panic number three I, yesterday. No, it was like, yeah, it was two weeks ago, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. things are coming fast and furious now. They are indeed. Uh, this is, uh, it's the start of a new story uh, arc, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Broken Things, part one, uh, written, uh, same writer, Jody Hauser, but we do have a new art team here. We got uh, Sean Crystal and Jean Francois Boulot, or Boulou. Sure. I guess. <laughs> uh, we'll jump right in here. We got the the story opens up at the uh, Gotham Museum of Science and, and Technology, where a fellow by the name of uh, Mr. Ashley Layton is getting ready to open the all new Rosemary Layton Memorial Wing. Uh, before he can, however, the fire alarm is pulled by an individual, uh, a very tall and slender individual, uh, carrying a uh, skull topped walking stick. Uh, the patrons and guests are all escorted out of the museum, while that guy with the walking stick straps some dynamite to the wall of the new wing. Mm. The, the building goes boom, much to Mr. Layton's horror. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't hoping for that. I do like how uh, this guy with the skull tip stick, you know, he uh, he uses it to mm. pull. To, he won't pull sully his hands with it on the fire alarm. He uses the walking stick. Uh, we we shift scenes now. We shift scenes to a talk show, as we find out uh, reading the page, where a Conan O'Brien type is asking Violet Page a few shallow questions. She does not seem terribly engaged, and so he resorts to asking her what her opinion of the Batman is. And by the way, she is wearing a uh, 
napkin. I right? Think. Seems like she's that, see, that's being generous. It yeah. seems like she may be wearing an open back shirt, but backwards. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so Violet says that he's a bully because he beats up the mentally ill. Uh, we know that her mother is mentally ill, so that's very personal to her. <laughs> she heads off stage to a mixed reception, some booze, some cheers, and as as she does, her narration indicates that she is trying to protect the persona of an asshole. Yeah, I, I, she's doing a great job. She's doing very well. I, I definitely think she's an <laughs> asshole. So uh, good job, Violet. Uh, it's, even <laughs> even in your you know mother panic guys, you seem like an asshole. So the, the the trick is never to drop the veneer. It's like being a rapper. You see, yeah. you got to be a rapper twenty four seven. You can never drop it. Anyway, uh, break kayfabe. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, backstage, she hears the familiar voice of terrorist victim Ashley Layton. Smells like a flashback. Mm. We, we're going to jump back 15 years, and we're, we're going right back to the wake of Violet's father's passing. Uh, the, all the family's together, and her brother Victor is talking to, hey, it's Ashley Layton, but he's younger and has a ponytail now. Uh, he gives them the hot tip on the Gather House boarding school, which is uh, where we find out that Violet attended. Uh, I think we found that out either last issue or the one before that. Mm. Uh, now later, back at the uh, Mother Panic compound, Violet checks in with her mother, who's doing some landscaping. She's removing bushes from the ground because they're trapped or something. And talking to them, yeah. So they, they wa- <laughs> this bush wants to see something new, apparently. But okay. Yes. Uh, now Violet informs her that she's found the fellow who sent her away. And uh, this is like the first time we actually see like worry on Mother Mama's face. Yeah. Uh, she gets a bit defensive because she thinks that she's referring to her son, Victor, and Violet's brother, you know, Victor. Violet ensures her that that's not the case and that she's not after Victor and she will not hurt him. Uh, her narration does tip us off that says, until she has to. Yes, shots don't hurt the other players yet. <laughs> uh, but Victor is the guy that seems to have sent her away. That's that's my impression. Like the, It yeah. seems like the guy who signed the papers and, you know, but... And dropped her off. Yeah, yeah but he, he was tipped off to Gather House by uh, this other, by Ashley Layton. So that's the thing here. Anyway, so then Violet leaves her mom, and Mother panics it up to visit Latex Software. Uh, this is a place that is amazingly easy to break into. She just mm-hmm. sort of kicks kicks a thing open and walks right in. She even says, talk about shit security. Yep. She enters and hears a crunching, and she follows this sound. Along the way, we see that Latex is laid out more like a playground than an office. This is definitely like the dot-com boom idea of yeah. working, uh, literally with arcade machines and playground equipment. There's like a little hovel with a, a, a little hut, sort of, that you can sit in with pillows. And like a tunnel swing, a tunnel slide through the bushes and stuff. Yeah, it's 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 all very adorable. I I will say I did appreciate you know all of the we do see more of the arcade games later and they're all mm-hmm. fake but they're not they're all riffs. Yeah, yeah, they're all riffs and and they're they're not they're not anything you know specific to comics or you know that. No, I just like I just like seeing the real logos being used. That's all. Certainly, certainly. Um, it's time for another flashback. Yep. We jump back to bloody experiments being conducted on children inside a gather house. Hey. The very thought of yeah, the very thought of which appears to cause great mental distress to Mother Panic. She's kind of holding her head and you know moaning a bit. Um, she's brought back to life by the uh, crunching. It's continuing, so she does follow it further, and she winds up in an office where she finds that same walking stick fellow from earlier, and he's he's busting up computer monitors. He's stomping on them. He is introduced as pretty. And uh, clearly has the same hairstylist as Violet. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're we're supposed to see his face as being too perfect. 
But that's really not aided by the art. Not really. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess you get the idea that he's supposed to be pretty because he's got lipstick. Maybe. You know, I hear you. No, I mean, <laughs> but the, I, you don't look at this guy. I'm not looking at him thinking, you know, late 90s Leo DiCaprio, who would be no, my, no. my definition, no. by the this, way. This ain't a piece of ass. No. Yeah, but anyway, but, but, but I think we could take it at quote unquote face value. You like how I did <laughs> uh-huh, that? I he, he, he is an amazingly handsome man for whatever it is. He's extremely pretty. Yeah. Which is his name. Um, <laughs> now they, they do a bit of battle until they realize that they do have a common enemy in Leighton. And of course the rest of the rest of the Gatherhouse gang. Uh, during the scuffle, however, Mother Panic takes shelter behind a Pap Man machine <laughs> and she's approached by a white deer wearing a lay. Yeah, what? I don't know. Yeah. Sure. And then the deer the deer talks to her and says uh, talks about burning down everything they've built. Okay. Uh, the fight wraps up with the two singing to one another. Uh, it seems like Gatherhouse had an anthem. Uh, a Mother Panic sings one line, and then Pretty sings the next one, and then they realize that they uh, they are of common. Uh, they are both alums. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. They sing. They sing the old Gatherhouse fighting song. You know. The, yes. From the pep rally. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Pip pip. Uh, and then they hug, crying. They're you know on the ground and just just you know uh, caring for one another, uh, comforting one another. And then, of course, they, they blow up latex offices. Well, wouldn't you? That seems like the only logical thing to do. Uh, so, What about that deer? Did the deer get out? I, I, I don't know. Hopefully <laughs> he made it back to Hawaii somehow. Uh, the white deer. Yeah, I'm not sure. There was obviously, I get the impression that that was Mother Panic kind of wigging out, hallucinating. Probably. But it's definitely not clear because there's still some more of that same stuff when she's fighting. When there's just random scenes like just imagery, imagery, an apple with a maggot coming out of it, and and just weird images. So we can only assume this has something to do with with the goings on at Gather House. But since we know very little about what they were, it's yes. it's really hard to draw the uh, draw the lines here. There is sort of an epilogue where uh, an odd fellow named Flanagan, who looks uh, pretty sloppy, big fat guy in a uh, Tank top, walk around. Uh, he, he's evicted from his apartment for having a vermin. And we ought to mention that he's being followed by a trail of rats like a ghetto Pied Piper, mm-hmm. uh, which he claims aren't vermin. I'm, I'm sorry, dude. That's like exactly what vermin is. I, you That's know what like I mean? the definition, right? That's the definition of, you know, if you had cockroaches, <laughs> follow, then you would have pretty much all the vermin. Uh <laughs> And he leads them into a basement, and that's where we leave him. It looks like he's got another uh, place to stay. It's in the basement of the Pike Hotel. The backup is just more of this Gotham radio thing, and now it's this it's this woman talking to a, an older guy, uh, and it, I guess it implies that he's crazy quilt. Maybe I think he's supposed because he's they have that cost that suit there. And uh, yeah, it looks it, it definitely looks crazily patterned. It doesn't look like. Crazy Quilt was drawn, I sort of, it, aspects of it do, you're right. Yeah, because I, I tried looking up other pictures of him to see if this matched up, and it does match up certain versions. Yeah, but, not uh, not the first one, but I no, think, no, I no, think it does not. I think it does uh, match the 70s version, I believe. I mean, Yeah, because he mentioned he, he was he was big in the 70s. So, I mean, happily, yeah, big. I mean, that's the thing, is Crazy Quilt is someone not used a whole lot, so that's it's it's kind of a good, <laughs> good fodder here to... Uh, Drag him out for the young animal, young animal spotlight. So, I, you know, I'm not really this Gotham Radio thing. It's really, it's really lost to me. I, it's going on too long. I don't really understand what the deal is. That I mean, the the problem is that I mean, just to illustrate that it's uh, 
this woman got a guy fired and he was replaced by like a super right wing, I guess, like a Rush Limbaugh type or whatever. And Crazy Quilt's going to stop him. I don't really know what the hell that's in it. It's about uh, it's like it, they could just drop it for as I would say. I don't need it. And the, and the yeah, rest of it, the rest of it is the same who's who's pages that we saw in, the, I think, the last issue of Shade. Okay. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. yeah last I think week, it was yeah. in Shade. Yeah. Last week. So. Uh, sort of a you know redo. Nothing really wrong with them. We would yeah. rather would rather see these than any other stuff, frankly. But <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, what did you think of the issue? This is the beginning um, of a new arc. Let's see here. I'm I'm, you know, it's it's weird. I, I was actually struggling when I was writing my review here because there isn't a whole lot to hate about it, mm. which is 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 a good thing. But there isn't a whole lot to like about it either, mm-hmm. uh, which is not. <laughs> so, and also just not enough happened here that uh, that you can really dig your teeth into. Uh, it's nice that it's a new arc, and it's nice that we have we have new uh, we have a new kind of aesthetic, just to differentiate from what we've read before. Um, you'd almost confuse it for being a lighter story, um, but. I'm I'm still having a hard time. We talked about this off the air. Just we can't sympathize with this character. Yeah, her victories are not our victories. Um, I mean, frankly, her, frankly, we don't like her. Yeah, she's, uh, she's terrible. <laughs> that's it. She's, <laughs> and it's not even like you know, like you got people who you got characters like Guy Gardner that people love to hate. Yeah, I don't I don't love to hate her. I just <laughs> I am indifferent. I don't like her too indifferent. Yeah, and. Uh, I get the and impression I, that she's very selfish, and I think that that just rubs me. I just don't want to see that in a comic, you know. I mean, even yeah. even for all the, you know, badass uh, heroes, say like a whatever, a Wolverine or a Punisher <laughs> or a Guy Gardner, they all have that self-sacrifice, that heart of gold, yeah. Uh, and 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 that's what keeps them going, even though they can be absolute complete pricks on the way. Even even sure. even John Constantine, you know, that this is that's one of the biggest pricks in comics, but absolutely, he's he's being that way. Because he has to make very difficult choices, to, you know, for mm. and and I'm not seeing that here with this character. We may yet see that. Uh, sure, but we're still rather early. Four issues in, though, it's it's it is starting to get wear a little thin. I need to know more about her motivations and what she's about. Uh, yeah, this is what sixteen dollars worth of comics, right? You're now? right, exactly. Yeah, you've yeah. You've, you've you've paid in sixteen dollars uh, at this point, and. What do we really know? I mean, we know a little bit Gatherhouse. We don't. I really don't even know her power set, except I guess she's super strong and stuff. Or it's her costume has is high tech. The gauntlets or... seem to have some high yeah. tech thing. I mean, there's so little that we know. Uh, where did she and, get the and, flying thing? What what is that about? Uh, and it just see, it seems like we're checking off boxes for like the 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 tortured youth cliche Olympics here. Yeah, well, it's I, like which <laughs> I got that. You know what I mean? Like that. You know, like I'm 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 willing to accept that at face value. She had a crappy, you know, rich girl childhood. All right, you know, that's fine. That 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 that's let's let's talk about what she is now. Uh, what does her suit do? You know, what is it? Why does it look like she's a, a fortune cookie? Uh, so <laughs> it's it's strange. But I, you know, I do want to just reiterate that I was real happy to see that this is a new arc. Yeah. Um, to, whether it's a good arc or not, we don't know. But I definitely support people doing shorter arcs shorter and. Arcs. <laughs> And especially rotating teams, it kind of gives us like a new, uh, it's like a new day, you know, turn the page, see what we can do. And I personally thought this art, I really liked it a lot. Uh, some of the character models were off, and I, talking off the air, I, I had to agree that I liked 
the way the previous artist drew Mother Panic versus this one. In the costume. In the costume, exactly. But, you know, as far as backgrounds and plotting, and I think I think the coloring was really, like, interesting and great, too. Really lively, yeah. uh, really mm-hmm. popped. So visually, I like this one a lot more than... Sure. Uh, the previous issues. Tommy, so. Was it Tommy Lee Edwards? Is it? That's right. Yeah, that's who did yeah. the previous. He did the cover on this one too, uh, yeah. which is not to impugn him. Like I said last week, no. I, was, I was getting used to him, uh, and I, I I think he is a good artist. But I really like sure. this one. It, it really struck me in a good way. So that's a positive thing. But what score did you give to this one, Chris? I I gave this uh, I for Mother Panic number three I gave a seven and I didn't think this was worse than that so I didn't want to go below that uh-huh. but it is a, I I did give it a seven but as we say it's a soft seven a soft seven yeah I'm exactly in the same place uh, could be pushed to a seven but I'm gonna go with a six point five and it's gonna that that's strong which and I think that's not a uh, horrible score either that no, is that is sort it's of a passing grade it's a yeah. passing grade it means it means you know maybe you want to brush by and give it a peek uh definitely worth worth even just looking at the art flipping through it at the uh store if the guy's not going to wrap your knuckles with a yard sticker he doesn't want you to burn steal it this ain't a library over here this ain't browse outside <laughs> one time i went into a uh I went, this is, you know, in the 80s or whatever, I went to a candy store with a friend of mine, and they had a rack of comics, and we were just idly, whatever, we went to buy candy, idly looking at them, ready to make impulse purchases of Archie, sure. and uh, and the guy said, what are you kids doing? I was like, just browsing. I mean, it must have been weird to see, like, an eight-year-old say browsing, and he goes, <laughs> well, browse outside, and I'm like, what the hell's your target audience for this guy? You know what I mean? Like, sure. you know, you, I, I would think you'd be thrilled to see an eight-year-old looking at these things. Over, you know, it's a rack taking up space in your store. You probably had gambling and, and drug same, deals these to same do. Books, these same books have been here for four months. Now. I know exactly. Yeah, let me tell you, this 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 was, you know, these were, as I recall, they weren't the uh, newest Justice Leagues either. They were right like, you know, presses, yep. Casper, Casper the Friendly Ghost, and Archie and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is young young comic stories. Anyway. <laughs> Next week, we probably, most likely have Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number six. That should end the First opening one. arc, uh, which we, we've been really enjoying it, so I'm super excited mm-hmm. for that one. And then the following week, we think maybe Mother Panic number five. I almost think what? that... I almost think that can't be possible, or they're or they're doing it just to screw around with you, Chris. I, it's at this point, it's you might want to take it personally, <laughs> but uh, up. yeah, I I I don't think that that's true, but um, I do think there's a good possibility that Doom Patrol number five will be out, which will be nice. Wait, what? I know. Uh, I, I, again, we're not sure. It, this is the this is the resolicit from December, January. January. Okay. So it, when it got bumped to January, and then it got bumped again to this. So uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you know, if they are out, we will talk about them. And if they're not, we will pick a year, any year uh, that you know, pretty much from 1936 on, though, because it's about comics around here, not about just general world history. Sure. But I think that's all we got for this week, Chris. You got anything else for him? Nope, that'll do it. Well, until next week, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. I got a girlfriend, she goes to art school. I got an art school girlfriend, yeah. I got a girlfriend, she got a girlfriend. We got a girlfriend, and she got a go. She left her home from sweet Alabama. Rose Alabama.
segment to you for weirdsciencegccomics.com podcast. I'm sort of at a deficit this week because I am recording in Key West, Florida and using my laptop mic, so it's actually going to sound like a lot of, lot of other podcasts out there, right, Chris? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. Not naming any names, but there are some that I do think could use a microphone, and uh, you know, you let us know if uh, you know this really sounds like a Keep a crap because uh, a prison I, phone call. Yeah, and you know, we'll see. You might hear my wife cough in the background. That's all right. There's no big deal. Sure. Uh, we do have a book this week for the folks, um, and it actually is a book that I would consider the end of the opening arc. But I mm-hmm. think I think that's an arguable point. That's uh, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number six, written by John Rivera, story by Gerard Way and John Rivera, art by Michael Avon Oming, Nick Filardi, and Tom Scioli. So we'll jump right into it, and we open up with a flashback, which is appropriately colored and hued to let us know that it was in the long ago. And we see that Edward Bordstein, he's the guy that owns the EBX mining company. He digs into a fungus-filled cave, th- cave through its roof. We see it sort of from the cave's point of view. And he's there to extract the crystals that he needs without dealing directly with the Muldrug folks. The Whisperer gets a hold of him and beckons, and uh, Edward has kind of a one-sided conversation with him the whole time. He's sort of saying, like, oh, my apologies, I thought you were somewhere, I'm I'm on my way. Uh, But we can't hear what the Whisperers, nor do we technically know at this moment that it is the Whisperer, except that we've read five issues that tell us that. Uh, And there are also some, do you notice this, Chris, there are some kind of weird skeletons in this one panel. Do you see this? Yes. Uh, Absolutely, yeah, they are very uh, oddly shaped. Just those, especially the skull, there's one that looks like a saber-toothed cat kind of skull. Sort of. I don't know if this will ever come up. It could very well just be like, you know, miscellany in the, you know, deep down below. Uh, mm. But I thought it was worth noting because this, I mean, this one even looked kind of like, an, you know, a typical alien head, the one that's elongated. It but anyway, that could, it could end up being nothing at all. It could just Pardon. be a stylized yeah. take on a skull. And, or just to show that, you know, deep deep beneath the Earth's crust, there are fossils and skeletons and stuff. <laughs> um, so true. So, so using a flare as a light, uh, eventually Edward finds the Whisperer. It's sort of a, the way it's being shown here, it's sort of a wispy, wavy force field that's sort of kind of hard to explain. It's sort of this essence uh, in front of, I guess, what is the crystal, or I don't really know what it, what it, it seems like some sort of light anyway, but... Uh, hmm. When Edward touches it, it pricks his finger, and there's some green goop kind of splashes out of it. He says, ow, and we have to, I assume this is where he becomes infected with the fungus thing. It's got to be, right? Be, I mean, we just don't yeah. know for positive, but, yeah, I'm pretty certain it is. I mean, what else could it be? If it, unless, unless, you know, we, we missed the off-panel scene where he stuck that finger in his nose. 
Yes. That could be that. Or he, had a, <laughs> or he had his iodine packet with him that he could uh, disinfect with. Uh, we pop back to the present where we see Team Carson. And uh, you remember our friends in the half shirts with the Batman logo? Yep. Well, they're there, too. They're oh. the uh, Shah Maldrug uh, Batman fan. <laughs> uh, they're, uh, they're all about killing fungus monsters. Uh, also, Ace Morgan and the renegade members of the other EBX mining team, they're there. Uh, Cave Cybernetic Eye, he uses it. It scans a big pocket of magma above them. We always have to mention when he uses it. Yeah, it's, not, it's rare. <laughs> it's not every issue either, so... No, it's certainly not. Uh, now, uh, the Mighty Mole cracks it open and outpours liquid fire, which kills the fungus monsters, mm-hmm. thankfully. Uh Another person who's thankful is a cave's mother-in-law. She is very grateful for what happened. However, she needs to ask him one more favor because King Pathral is still in the clutches of the Borsteins. Because uh, you remember uh, last issue, uh, we found that giant door that would only open if you had uh, the DNA of a Muldrugan or whatever. and uh, Of a royalty, yeah, the royal, royal family. Yes. Yeah. So they could get into the Temple of Palud. Which, within that, is the crystal. And the the whisperer, right? Yeah, is inside that. So it, it's pretty complicated. It's sort of <laughs> this is sort of like the Russian nesting doll of uh, <laughs> traps here, but you know they'll get to it eventually. Now Cave's cool to go, but he has one re- one request for uh, Mrs. Bethral. He wants some of that delicious psychedelic night pudding. Oh yeah, well who doesn't? I don't even know if he needs mm-hmm. that for any specific reason. He just wants it. Yes. Uh, down, <laughs> meanwhile, down at the Temple of Palud, a cat monk smashes King Patrol's head against the thingy that opens the door, whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ed Borstein's looking pretty bad right now, too. He's looking like a, it's barely human, you know what I mean? Like he's sort of melting, and it looks like his the, his costume is the only thing holding them together at this point. Seems, you yeah. Know? And uh, doesn't it kind of look like he has a cybernetic eye? You know, I was gonna say that it did look that, that there it does look suspect. There's some his there's something with his left eye. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. And when I when I think about it, I I I actually you know we get these comics as comps. I end up having to swap them out quite a bit to be able to keep them. So I don't have the last issue to hand. I couldn't. I could swear there was. Always something hinky about his left eye, but anyway, I don't, I don't. Nothing is stated. We don't. We're not sure, but it seems like his left eye is funny looking. Yeah, because it, it doesn't even look. It looks kind of like a like a marble, like an aggie. You know, it, it does. Uh, it doesn't look organic. It, it, yeah, it looks it looks metallic to me, and like yeah. there's like a little button or a depression in the middle of it. I don't know. It's it's difficult to say. It could be nothing. It could just be, you know, it could literally just be a false eye for all we know. Or maybe it's just making his eye, the fungus disease is making his eye look weird. I don't know. Uh, okay. Something to look at, though. Let it, let us know if you, if you think it's anything. Uh, his son, Paul, he's annoyed because they could have simply dug up Cave's dead wife, Mazara, instead of bringing King Pathrol down here and used her DNA, DNA to open the door. Because we all know hindsight is always an exact science. Yeah, it's always shoulda, coulda, woulda with these guys. And besides <laughs> any of that, his dad points out it's always a nice thing to be able to humiliate someone. So you know, it, it was so this is all worth it. Words uh, to live by. Yeah. <laughs> and, and within the fungus-filled recesses of the Temple of Palud, the Mighty Mole, their Mighty Mole, prepares to breach the crystal. And then we bounce back to uh, Ken Kesey's Merry Pranksters, where uh, we see a wild dog reloading his guns with hollow point bullets. He He's kind of nervous, but he says, hey, I got a mask. It's okay. Uh, 
Uh, Chloe's got a face full of night pudding. She's really having a good time. Oh, boy. She loves it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, Cave explains that they will need to withstand the psychic onslaught of the Whisperer. So they're going to be drinking that to, uh, you know, block all that stuff out. Yeah, somehow by having a psychedelic trip, then the Whisperer. I I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. Their minds will be racing. Uh, But then the best thing is after, you know... uh, Chloe has her bowl. <laughs> Cave just grabs like the bucket and yep. just like, Do you want some? I'll have the rest of it. I mean, he just—it looks like it looks like he downs at least two gallons. I don't know, Fred. Sure. Visually, so I, I think he actually likes it more than Chloe. He just might. Yeah. Um, now we go from you know the regular style of art here to a very psychedelic style. This is a uh, for most of the rest of the issue. Yeah, not every um, not every page, but a lot of it now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it becomes kind of unclear as to what we're supposed to be really seeing and what is just perception that, uh, you know, like we get like distorted shapes, uh, the colors are a bit off. It's uh, we just don't know what's real from here, which yeah. is probably the point. It, 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 I I have to say I like the way it was handled because ultimately, sure. and we're gonna tell we're obviously gonna say what happened in the issue, uh, but <laughs> it's not hard to tell what actually happens. But <laughs> it's all depicted very distorted, you know, yeah. uh, not unlike you know not not to uh, reveal that I have any experience, but not unlike actual drug experiences. So I I have to I I really the first time I saw it I was like that's interesting. The second time I was like that's really pretty clever because it sort of <laughs> takes over the rest of the comic book and, and becomes subtle it becomes like it becomes almost i don't know a background thing almost like a drug experience can be but anyway uh it doesn't make the comic difficult to understand for the most part it just looks different uh although you know it's worth saying that maybe half an issue was too much but that's uh that's for you to decide um, so at the Temple of Palud, there, a mighty mole cracks open the crystal, and Ed Borstein is still distilling his blood into a fungus monster serum for some reason. It looks to be turning some cat monks behind him into fungus monsters. No, why not? Um, it's also possible that this is part of the psychedelic uh, perception of what's going on. Because sure. then when, when we go to the long shot, the cat monks don't look, distu- don't look like they're turning into fungus monsters. So again, like... It's strange. This the whole situation is strange. Plus, we see in a minute, and you know, mentioned it, that Paul Borstein's also knocking back some night pudding. And uh, but, but what happens is that the Whisperer eventually comes out of the Temple of Palud, uh, or out of, you know, ultimately out of the crystal and into the, out of the temple through the doors. Uh, Ed Borstein's real happy to see him. This is what he's been, you know, working towards. What he's been waiting for. The Whisperer looks like a giant green larvae, like a big. Almost like a Ren and Stimpy kind of monster, no? I don't know. Yes, it looks very John K. With big, with bugged out yellow eyes and uh, yeah. yellow tentacles. Definitely looks gross and veiny and creepy. Unpleasant. Unpleasant. <laughs> and uh, at this point, Paul Borstein is also, he said to take night pit pudding, I assume also to you know protect himself psychically from the Whisperer. And he's very happy because they've won, as far as he's concerned. Uh, just at that moment, Team Carson shows up, and Wild Dog is taking Cat Monks apart with his automatic guns. He shoots one guy right in the mouth, apparently. 
Uh, <laughs> he does some dental work. And the Mighty Mall has no problem mowing down some cat monks before it as well. Just, you know, and uh, this is a great little panel, too. It's like the, the lines emanating from Wild Dog are just, like, make him look like he's at the center of the universe here. Yes. Uh, Chloe is having a blast. She is just like, <laughs> woo! She's, you know, she's it's like she's at a prom or something. And then at the same time, the Whisperer sort of absorbs uh, Edward Borstein into his body, um, sort of like sucks him up like a piece of spaghetti. It's pretty gross, but I think Ed uh, Ed was happy with this. He I wanted think, it yeah. this, this, this This is what he's been going for, so I'm glad to see that. It's sort of a, ha- a happy ending for Ed Borstein. Sure, that's right. sure. <laughs> now, the, uh, the next page is interesting. The uh, the panels are laid out in kind of a, like a silhouette of the Whisperer. So yeah. like every segment of this disgusting larvae creature is a, is a panel. Um, uh, but it's, now weird. We have, it's weird because... It's not totally just an outline, though, you know? Like, there's detail yeah. at the top, so it, it makes it really strange to me, but I liked it. No, oh, it's very, very nice. Yeah. It's a very striking page, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, Chloe happily running over to the door control and blowing away cat monks along the way. <laughs> uh, it's great. Uh, she shoots a couple, and it creates, like, a rainbow between them. It's, yep. it's pretty wild. Um She touches the door control, and it crashes down on the Whisperer, uh, but its head is stuck. Cave suggests that Wild Dog maybe plant a little bit of C4, and uh, Wild Dog says, eh, he can't do it. He, you know, he, no one can throw like that." Mm. But Cave reminds him that he is not only Wild Dog, but he is also Jack Wheeler, the All-Star quarterback for the Quad City Bulldogs. Mm. And hey, he can do it. That's right. Flattery will get you everywhere. He says, "God damn right, you do." <laughs> uh, so this part, maybe you could help me out. They pull some sort sure. of complex maneuver in the Mighty Mole. It looks like they kind of like do a runaround. They they carve behind the Whisperer or above him somehow. I you think know, so. With the Mighty Mole, um, they burrow up. Yeah, they they burrow up <laughs> and sort of like uh, yeah, exactly above him. Uh, so. Um, the Whisperer, he looks really messed up now. There's blood just pouring from his face. It's red blood, too, which is strange, I thought. I would expect it True. to be green. I didn't even think of that, yeah. But maybe this is visually better, or maybe we're actually seeing that there's something more uh, physical about the Whisperer than we thought, or, you know, more, I don't know, human. I don't know how to put it. He, he might have been human at one point. Possibly, could be, possibly be that. Uh, Cave sees his dead wife, Mazra, again, while driving them all, and he's, he's cool with it. He's kind of come to peace with it, actually take, get a little support out of it, and she she gives him a little ribbing. She says, it's good to know I still drive you crazy. <laughs> uh, the Whisperer tries to get into Wild Dog's head by emulating his asshole father, and even it kind of takes <laughs> on his face, or at least that's the way yep. Wild Dog perceives it. You know, uh, it starts to look... To be honest, this is even creepier than the face it had before, because it's more human and has, like, a mustache. <laughs> Yes, it's kind of freaking me out. Um, so, but you know, this isn't gonna work with a fuck you, Dad. Wild Dog Chuck C4 at the Whisperer's face. You know, this is what what teenage son hasn't wanted to do this. Uh, sure. <laughs> this weakens it enough for the Mighty Mall to, I think, it's sort of like it falls out and kind of carves it up with its laser drill. Yeah, it looks like a like dark seed, dark sides uh, omega beam a little bit. <laughs> kind of, right? Uh, yeah, it sort of like winds around him. Like it, it doesn't look like he's winding some kind of cord around, and maybe that's maybe. where it is. Um, but the whisper is dead and in pieces at the end of it. 
Yeah, like uh, maybe uh, similar to the segments expressed on the uh, the page earlier. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that silhouette. That's interesting. I mean, maybe maybe that was like a you know kind of a preview of what we were about to see. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, maybe that was the plans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now uh, we do find here that King Pathral is alive, and everything seems cool. Then a multicolored beast, <laughs> uh, brain beast, spews out of the Whisperer's corpse. Yep. It's very pleased to do so. It yells, "I'm free." <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul recognizes it as his father. Cave recognizes it as Edward Borstein, Paul Borstein's father. Mm-hmm. So, I think so they're, they're in agreement there, yeah. Yes. Uh, then Cave's cybernetic eye yanks itself out from its socket. Uh, it grows little spindly robot legs, and it just takes off to uh, confront the brain thing. Uh, looks like Cave might be dying while his eye, uh, cybernetic eye attempts to merge with Edward. Maybe, or... Maybe attacking it. It's impossible to know. I mean, that's pretty much where it ends. You know, it says the end question mark. And we see that conflict. Yeah, because then we have uh, the the Shah Maldrug folks. They rush up to meet this thing, and uh, maybe to fight it, maybe otherwise. We don't know because we uh, we leave with a cave laying uh, in his daughter's arms, talking about how the, the time he met Superman. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> so. Th- th- this is what I mean. So this is the end of the arc, and. It's still open-ended. It's it's more, you know, we were saying before we recorded, it's a lot more open-ended than Shade was, which still left plenty of story to tell. Uh, this is like, I, you know, I still can't wait for the next issue. Which, again, I'm not trying to denigrate Shade, the changing girl, uh, which I, I also can't wait for the next issue. But this one, I'm like, oh, uh, I need to... I need to see how this situation concludes, like right away. Yeah, they leave us at just the perfect spot to wet our wet our appetite. Yeah, is. so it's uh, it, it's it's a really cool story, and then we do have a Tom Scioli backup, and you and in the past, I have dumped this on you and <laughs> told you to explain it. <laughs> this time I'm going to be nice because I understand this thing backwards and forwards. I, oh, good. I could tell you all about. I have no idea what the hell's going on. It looks like. <laughs> It looks like there are Cybermen in the first panel. I see uh, Firestorm is there, uh, Batgirl with glasses. I don't know. I really have no idea. The Guardians are in the background. The Guardians are hanging out in the background. Um, there. We got Red Tornado. We got uh, Mr. Miracle and the Forever People show up. How about that? You like that, folks? That works. Uh, looks okay. like the Joker and the Penguin escape over a fence and then through a wall that builds bricks behind them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, then on the next page, there's a scene similar to the end of a Star Wars: A New Hope, where everyone gets gets awards from Princess Leia. You ever see that, Chris? Yep. Uh, it's like one of the weirdest, like quiet, you know, scenes. Except <laughs> instead of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Chewbacca, it's Green Arrow, 1989 movie Batman and Wonder Woman, who actually might be the 77 Wonder Woman from the show, but it's kind of hard to tell at a distance. And also, they seem to have Olympic medals. Yeah, because like it's a silver and yeah, and and, and, and they have the the colored, you know, the red, white, and blue or whatever yeah. the colored uh, thing. So okay. Yeah, and then uh, Bat. It's weird. Batgirl. They give her Oracle. Yeah. To guide her, and it's in it's you know it looks like the, you know that that uh, the digital green, face. The digital face that Oracle would present. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, we have the Wonder Twins. They show up again, and they're uh, 
they're like on the run and they're looking to assimilate into regular society yeah. or, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> like they, they change their look so they can fit in somehow, which uh, unless they were both like planning on joining the Beatles, I don't know who they'd be assimilating with. Well, they still have giant pointed ears. Giant elf ears, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what that's about. <laughs> uh, then Gleek gets caught up by some sort of oozing thing with a face. Yeah, I, I at this point I'm so lost, I'm not sure... At all, what's happening? But it says the end. At the uh, volume one, volume oh, one, like what the hell? <laughs> Lord, I, 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 you know. I still think this is a kid playing with his toys. I don't think there's enough night pudding in the world to explain this here, Chris. <laughs> I'll tell you, be honest with you. <laughs> I wonder if, if we have like a contact hire. Yeah, I, I feel like it. I feel like I, I read an old issue of uh, you know Binky and his buddies or something, and I'm uh, <laughs> I, it, it it just flat out makes no sense. And you know the art yeah. isn't like it isn't great. It, no. If if this was a fascinating or funny or even nostalgic, there are a lot of things this story could be, and it's none of them. It's just fucking confusing and frustrating. Yeah, it's like if anybody's ever taken a creative writing class, mm-hmm. there's always that one person in that class who who kind of portrays themselves as like deeper than everyone else. Yeah. That's what I get from this. This well, is like they I, want, I don't they know want to this... reinvent the wheel. They haven't even you know learned to drive the car. That's that's what you get a lot <laughs> of times. And this is just like what is this? Two pages? Three pages? Three pages. I, I don't know why it annoys me so much. It shouldn't. We're not paying for this. Over it time, it has it has come to annoy me because it should. It doesn't need to be this way. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like those. It's like oh, you're just you you're just not smart enough to get it. I mean, I you know I I, I can't speak for you, but in another context, I could be okay with this art, which again, like I say, it isn't great, sure. but there's something very uh, almost crafty about it. You know what I mean? There's okay. something very sure. like um, not not crafty as in shifty, but something like something yeah, like you would draw. You know, there's a craft to it. Yeah, yourself. It's, it's you know purposeable I mean? for sure. Yeah, it's it's and it sort of has a you know I don't know. Everyone's it's, recognizable. It's you know it's right, not that part it's works. Scratches. Yeah. Something very DIY about it that, that could speak to me. If the story was like something, I just don't even know what the hell's going on at all. It's just, it makes no, no sense. Now they're trying to like, there's also a bit where, and this is another thing that I hate about pretentious writing, is they're breaking the fourth wall on us here. Yeah. We got like, uh, there's a hand pointing and it's it's the, pers- it's the person reading us. It's yeah, like, I know. I, I didn't even get into that part, but yeah, that's all. That's like I, I can't see him. It's like I'm, supposed to be us, and where the reader I mean, is the works, one ruining things, and it's like I don't once. If I knew what the <laughs> hell was going on, I might ruin it. I don't even know what's happening. Um, when Animal Man looked at us and said, "I can see you," it worked then. It exactly. hasn't worked since. Well, you know, I'll tell you something. Quite frankly, that's something I feel that is earned by a story. The, I think you know, right. when Graham, Mor- Graham Morrison showed up in Animal Man, well, that wasn't after, you know, five issues. That was after a run. That was like a, towards the end of his run. Yeah, that's when he was wrapping things up. Pretty much, yeah, that pretty much more or less wrapped it up. Then they had like one of the couple issues after that. Uh, and, they, you know, you, you've seen it plenty of times, a hundred times in the comics, thousands of times. Yeah. But it's it's something that can be earned. It's And it's something that can be used to good effect or even comedic effect. Sure, but this thing isn't funny. I, it's not. I don't oh. know what it is. It's nothing. It's I. You know, it's just confusing. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not enlightening. It's not nostalgia-inducing. In, except when we saw that Superman car that I remembered. Yeah. Remember yeah, that? The, yeah, the, the Superman yeah. spaceship. 
Um, I mean, I just don't get it. I'm sorry. Uh, no. You know, maybe maybe you need to be 20 years younger to get it. And if so, please please explain it to me in a language that I would understand. Yes. <laughs> uh, we also uh, wrap up after this with those same uh, those same who's who pages that we've been getting for a while. This is uh, the Team Carson page and also the Whisperer, which yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure both of those have been in all the books this month. I think they have been everything from this month or at least in the last. I don't know. The last two or three, two books, or three yeah. issues of uh, any young animal book. Let me tell you, um, I'd rather see that than anything than this Tom Scioli backup. Go, you know, just run the Who's Who pages, rerun them. Give me They're, some ads. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, really, you know what I mean? Like, I, or whatever sketches, you know, whatever. Like, I, sure. if you think, if you really think that this backup is a value add, then you need to add something with value there we go how about that? i just made up that i just made that up how about that, that should be on the, the trade paperback collection <laughs> i don't think they're going to use that one um so anyway though uh you know i really i i have grown to really loathe that backup by tom scioli but i i don't judge the i feel like the book doesn't need it and if they if they left no, it out i wouldn't well. yeah i wouldn't feel ripped off at all so I judged the Cave Carson story on its own, and on its on its face, I really liked it right away. But when I went through it again to review it, I found I liked it even more because I saw a lot of the technique that uh, Michael Avon Oming was applying or aiming, aiming. Sure, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I always say Oming, but I say everything wrong anyway. Yeah, we we're we're, we're the worst with this, but uh, you know, the artist, <laughs> the the you know. Uh, you know, like I say, yes. I like I liked it at first, but then when I really saw, like for example, that segmented panel, and I saw like sure. the, the tricks he was doing that were some, at times kind of subtle to show the distortion. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. Nick Nick Filardi gets credit too because a lot of it was color. Absolutely, um, yeah. So I uh, I really appreciated that just as a a technique level, and this definitely made me desperate to read issue number seven, which is pretty much job done for any comic book. You know, if, if yeah. you want to read the next one, it's done its job. So yeah, win. Uh, I gave it the same score as the last one, but I think it's a good score to be, you know, proud of a high recommendation. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. What do you think, Chris? 8.5 sounds good. And that is not a soft 8.5. No, that would be firm on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might, might be able to convince me in a good mood to nine, maybe, but I, that that's, that's where that is. But 8.5 <laughs> all day on this. Uh, and as far as these first six issues, which I assume will comprise the trade collection. I'm almost sure. Well worth it. Uh, t- totally, totally a real fun, enjoyable book that gets better as it went along as, and you get more, into the characters, uh, the story is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe one of my only slight misgivings is, and and this makes you know this makes me almost feel like a Puritan. I do feel like some of the cursing is unnecessary and superfluous. I I, I would agree, but I like I like that it's mostly Wild Dog doing it because yeah. he's just a, you know a, just a dude. You know, You're right. Not, it's not a teenage girl or or you know something like that. It's I, I like it because it's wild dog and that's it, it's you know, true. Really and, and, and it's, it's not like King Patrol is throwing around. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I can I can think of one time that cave. I can't remember exactly what happens now, but he does exclaim fuck. But something mm-hmm. happened. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. he's reacting to something. So yeah, it's not like superfluous, but. 
I, I it is know. excessive, but it's it's not. Uh, it's definitely not. He, neither of them are Violet Page. I, I think what it is is that when when I see a character in a comic not wearing a trench coat and smoking a cigarette, cursing, it, I don't know what to do with it. So, uh, <laughs> I, uh, and not cursing with an accent either. Exactly. I'm like, where's the blimey? Then I, then I'm gonna yeah. it. But anyway, it, it, that that would be such a that would be such a nitpick. It's not even. I shouldn't even brought it up. It's this is a real fun book and uh, just not it's for great. kids, obviously. But uh, yeah, I recommend it highly to anybody. And uh, if you haven't been reading it for whatever reason, but you've been listening to our segment, thank you. You're a very strange person. And <laughs> uh, go pick up the trade when it comes out. Um, <laughs> next week, Chris, we got. One book, at least, uh, that, we know of, yes. that we know of, and it's a book that we've been waiting for for a long, long time. Uh, but I, I am—I have it on good authority. I have seen copies of this comic that exist in the world. I have not seen the comic yet, but I know the comic exists. It's Doom Patrol number five. Should be out next Wednesday. Nice. Uh, the solicits say Mother Panic number five. Not so nice. That, but doesn't that, I mean, we did Mother Panic last week, dude. You know what I mean? I like, know, I just I don't know. think it's possible. I, anything, you know what I mean? I mean, DC does crank out most of its comics on a bi-weekly basis, so it's not like it's impossible, but I'm dubious about that. And I haven't seen corroboration like I have seen for Doom Patrol number five. Sure. Uh, the following week is uh, supposed to be Doom Patrol number one director's cut. Um, which I have to assume is coming out. The stuff is all done, right? They just have to have Gerard Way just say something about it. it. Stamp it to say it was cool, and uh, you'll know it because the the cover has a hot dog instead of a gyro sandwich. So that'll allow you'll recognize it. We're it not was gonna... originally solicited for the first. I don't know how that got pushed back. I, I something is going on it's over like there. Everything it's all it's already done. We they, we have the book. They gotta put <laughs> they gotta put that. In, I mean, what, what I assume director Scott's gonna be is black and white art and sketches, sc- and script and sketches, script. and a, and maybe a little bit of like Gerard Way's thought process. Maybe even a little bit of uh, the the you know the art team's thought process. But it's, it's, I don't know exactly, why would this be delayed? This seems like something yeah. that, that it's its mostly done already. Who knows, just, maybe too much night pudding. I just hope it's $6 worth of insight. Yeah, well, I mean, I, <laughs> unless unless you feel differently, Chris, I wasn't planning on covering this. Uh, I guess unless there's something earth-shattering. I yeah. just You know, we'll, we'll take a look at it. Maybe we'll just make yeah. a comment about it if, if, if we we'll think play there's it by something you. worth talking about. But uh, otherwise, I think that uh, that's all we got for this week. You got anything else for him, Chris? No, I think that's it. We've, uh, we we got uh, we have what three full arcs done here. Uh, we have uh, all the shade is done. We had that short three issue arc of uh, Mother Panic, and that's now right. we wrapped up an arc of Cave. Uh, we're we're building up quite a uh, <laughs> quite a library here. That's right, a young animal repertoire. Yeah, yeah they yeah. are they are plugging along. It's almost looking like a real comic book company by now, right? Getting there. So. Getting there. Um, yeah, we're glad to do it. We have been enjoying doing these segments and this uh, having our little corner of DC to uh, talk about. And by and large, this is a pretty fun imprint. So going to keep plugging along on it as long as it uh, is still around. I don't see any reason to stop. But until next time, I'd like everyone to keep it young and animalistic. See you.